0: The Space Marines are the Emperor's will made manifest. They are his angels of death, descending to the battlefield from mighty warships to cleanse the foes of mankind from the face of the galaxy. For 10,000 years, the Space Marine chapters have been humanity's shield and sword in the face of the horrors that beset it. Genetically enhanced super soldiers, they are among the greatest warriors to have ever existed. They are stronger, faster, and more resilient than the humans they are sworn to protect. They are psycho indoctrinated from youth, rendering them immune to fear and staunchly loyal. On the battlefield, they are relentless, determined warriors who will stop at nothing to achieve victories nigh on impossible for unaugmented soldiery to achieve. In the Era Indominus, the Imperium is assailed as never before, from both within and without. The Space Marines hold firm, meeting the onslaught head-on with unbreakable faith in their hearts and oaths on their lips. They are the champions of humanity and they know no fear. Defeat is only for the enemy, and while one space marine stands, hope remains for the Imperium. Creation of a Space Marine Every space marine is a mighty warrior a champion almost beyond compare. These post-humans are heavily augmented, the products of years of arduous training, agonizing surgery, and psycho indoctrination. It is a process of arcane and horrific science one which not all inductees will survive. Such are the sacrifices mankind must make to weather the storms that batter it so ceaselessly. It is only thanks to the Emperor's skills and knowledge that the Space Marines exist. Only he knew the subtle arts and infinitely complex nuances of gene craft. It was his vision that led to the creation of the Primarchs and the gene sons that followed from them. And the arcane alchemies he developed have since allowed generation after generation of space marines to serve the Imperium. For all their phenomenal physical prowess, the incessant and intense warfare that space marines fearlessly endure sees even these mighty warriors suffer casualties. To avoid extinction, every chapter must constantly recruit fresh warriors. How these individuals are selected varies enormously, each chapter having unique and sometimes clandestine methods by which it conducts its recruitment. All aspirants are youths, for if selected at too mature an age, Their bodies will reject the implants derived from a material called gene seed. They need to become space marines. All have to pass immensely tough trials, whether it be crossing vast distances of extremely inhospitable country with few supplies. Hunting local megafauna with naught but a sharpened stick, or any of a hundred other tests of physical or mental fortitude. Many fail, the lucky killed in their efforts, and those less fortunate lobotomized and turned to mindless servitors. For those who have been accepted to commence training, their journey to becoming space marines has only just begun. To be a space marine is to be subject to hardships and horror that ordinary humans cannot begin to comprehend. And the chosen must be prepared Physically, mentally, and spiritually. Over a period of years, aspirants are put through an extremely harsh process. They are trained rigorously in diverse styles of combat. How to wield the Space Marines' weapons and operate a number of their vehicles. Relentless martial training is interspersed with periods of hypnotic suggestion, prolonged meditation, psychological and spiritual testing, and gradual initiations into the chapters rites, history, and traditions. In addition to this, they receive their implants. The gene seed implants are specially grown organ grafts. Some serve to give the space marine unique abilities, such as the Betcher's gland, which allows them to spit poison. Others enhance existing abilities, such as the sinew coils, which dramatically increase strength and durability. Implantation of these organs must occur in a precise order. Why exactly is unknown to even the most adept apothecaries. Gene seed is a finite resource, impossible to manufacture without the implants, known as the progenoid glands, that have matured within the body of another space marine. And the recovery of these should a battle brother be slain, is of the utmost importance. Despite every effort to maintain the purity of Gene Seed, quality levels vary between the Space Marine chapters. The Ultramarines is a highly regarded, a source of pride to the great numbers of the Adeptus Astartes chapters that can trace their lineage to Robute Giliman. In contrast, the Imperial Fists gene seed is missing the genetic information to create certain specialized organs. In addition, to the 19 specialized organs that almost all space marines have been implanted with since the first founding, the Primaris space marines possess a further three. These organs enhance their physiology to an even greater degree, making them yet stronger and tougher. It was only thanks to the Sang Primus Portum, a device that held potent genetic material harvested from the Primarchs themselves, that Archmago's Belisarius Call was able to create these biotechnical miracles. In the Ultima founding, many tens of thousands of Primaris space marines reinforced depleted chapters or formed new ones. Since then, many chapters have used these technologies to develop their recruits into Primaris space marines. The biggest breakthroughs of all, however, were the surgeries that allowed space marines not matured with the three primaris organs to be implanted with them. Arguably first braved by Marnaeus Kalgar, chapter master of the ultramarines, this extremely dangerous set of procedures lasts for days. Many others have since risked their lives in such a way after witnessing the undeniable battlefield capabilities of the Primaris Space Marines in action. A Thousand Chapters It is believed that over a thousand Space Marine chapters, independent and Autonomous armies fight the Emperor's wars. Nine are named for the legions that remained loyal to the Emperor during the Horus heresy. Others are successor chapters, brotherhoods who can claim great genetic descent from the nine loyal Primarchs. Over the millennia, the number of space marine chapters has waxed and waned. Some have been destroyed, wiped out in cataclysmic battles with the fiercest of enemies. But their existence has been deemed so vital to humanity's defenses that there have been a number of foundings throughout the millennia. The decision to initiate a founding is one of such magnitude that only the High Lords can authorize it, and only 27 such events are believed to have occurred. The very first founding was the creation of the original 20 Space Marine Legions by the Emperor himself. In the aftermath of the Horus heresy, rabute Gilliman's Codex Astartes decreed that the legions be broken down into smaller brotherhoods called chapters, with one keeping the name of the legion from which it came. These flexible fighting forces were to number little more than a thousand warriors across 10 companies and many dozens were formed this was known as the second founding there are no defined intervals between foundings they are launched as and when the high lords and thus the Emperor decree and there are no rules In place limiting how many chapters can be created. There may be no foundings for a millennia and three foundings in the space of a decade. One founding may be but a handful of chapters, while another might be made up of dozens. Records of the Foundings are frustratingly incomplete. Some lie buried in massive archives beneath stacks of documents miles high. Some have rotted to nothing. Their vellum and parchment pages falling to entropy long before scripto-savants can copy them. Others have been destroyed deliberately, most notably in the Reign of Blood, when ream after ream was burned. Prying inquisitors, scouring Adeptus Mechanicus records in secret, have discovered ominous gaps in the data trail that reek of tampering and falsification. Some foundings are particularly noteworthy or notorious and demonstrate the fragmentary nature of imperial records. The 13th founding came to be known as the Dark founding. The Adeptus Terra has no knowledge of many of the chapters created as part of it nor which gene seed was used to create those it knows of. Some believe that the exorcists were founded at this time, though a minor inquisitorial war failed to settle the issue. The 21st founding, later known as the Cursed founding, was intended to perfect gene seed and resolve deficiencies, but instead had the opposite effect for many of the chapters created for it, such as the Black Dragons. Those not affected by serious mutations have instead been beset by misfortune after misfortune, as the Lamenters can attest. The 23rd or Sentinel founding was initiated to ensure vulnerable areas of the galaxy were secured. The Iron Lords, Star Phantoms, and Marines Errant are among those that can trace their origins to this event. The Ultima founding was the most recent. Consisting entirely of Primaris space marines, it was created at Robute Guilliman's direct order shortly after his resurrection. It is arguably the largest and most significant founding to date. Chapters known to have come into existence with this founding include the Void Tridents, Rift Stalkers, Rift Cobras, Knights of the Chalice, and Umbral Knights. Even if every Space Marine chapter operated at full strength nigh on impossible battle due to attrition the number of space marines in total would likely not exceed one per imperial world thus the space marines have to decide where they will fight and where they will not some fight for personal honor or to uphold ancient vows, whilst others make war only where the emperor's tarot dictates, or according to strict pragmatism. Regardless, wherever they fight, the space marines butcher their foes and crush them beneath their ceramide boots. Chapter Planets Most Space Marine Chapters operate from a home world, where they carry out much of their training, recruitment, and rearming. It is their sovereign domain, over which they have total authority. The Chapter Master, Lord of All only Terra will be of greater importance to a Space Marine chapter. And only to the Emperor do the populace owe greater loyalty. The origin stories of a chapter's dominion over their homeworld are as diverse as the chapters themselves. For most of the first founding chapters, their home world is that which was their primarchs. For those of later foundings, some now rule worlds, their Primarchs seized in the Great Crusade. Others liberated their planets from tyranny or captured them from heretics or xenos others still received them as gifts of gratitude or reward for heroic deeds a great many chapters cannot account for how their chapter planet came to be all records lost forgotten destroyed or even hidden all they know is that their home world and the mighty fortress monastery built there is their realm and bastion and they will defend it unto death. Many chapters maintain feral and death worlds possessed of tenacious and hardy populations. People who endure bitter struggles for survival on a daily basis. On these worlds, life itself is a near impossible test that only the toughest survive. And the space marines seek in their aspirants the qualities required to succeed in these conditions. whether they are forced to by high casualties or gene depletion on their homeworld, or simply choose to. Many chapters recruit from more than one world. Some demand aspirants from a world they have saved from invasion. Others have ancient ties the neighboring worlds which provide aspirants on a regular basis. Though some might call this a dilution of the recruitment pool, many chapters that do this heavily indoctrinate their outsider recruits, so that soon they are virtually indistinguishable. Culturally, and in outlook, from a locally recruited aspirant. The culture of many chapters is thoroughly intertwined with their home world. The salamanders embrace the way of the smith and the forge, just as their people mine and work the rich metals extracted from their planet's rock. The Space Wolves' feasting and drinking halls mirror those of the tribes they are recruited from, and their warriors bear hunting trophies just as do the tribal chieftains and heroes of Fenrisian myth. Most chapters have a sphere of influence that reaches beyond their home world even if it is just to the boundaries of their home system. But a significant number have seen this increase. In these dark times, many areas of space have been given over to direct space marine control for security and stability. In the Imperium Nihilus especially, a growing number of worlds cede some or even all of their authority to space marine chapters based nearby, or offer resources, aspirants, and serfs to them in exchange for protection. A great many chapter homeworlds have been inundated with Refugees, as war drives many of the Imperium's teeming trillions to flight. In the case of some chapters, such as the Ultramarines, their realms have the resources and means to absorb these great throngs to some degree. Others, who oversee inhospitable fiefs have no means of accommodating these masses, often demanding they serve the chapter directly in exchange for sanctuary or leaving them to fight for themselves on their deadly worlds. For these unfortunate souls, life scarcely improves at all. A number of Space Marine Chapters have no homeworld. These nomadic warrior orders traverse the stars aboard an armada of battle barges, strike cruisers, and blade-like escort craft with the power to lay sectors to waste and conquer countless worlds. For fleet-based chapters, their vessels serve the role of a fortress monastery. Ships will house the armory, librarius, reclusium, and apothecarian, as well as barracks, training cages, practice ranges, and strategiums. Some may keep these vital functions aboard a mighty flagship, others spread them across a number of vessels to reduce risk of catastrophic and irreplaceable loss. There are many reasons as to why a chapter might be fleet-based. Some are orphaned, their home world lost, in cataclysmic battle, such as the mysterious Dark Angels. Others have never had a homeworld, such as the Black Templars, who have been on the hunt for the enemy since their very inception. Some chapters have temporarily forfeited the right to a homeworld in penance, such as the Mantis Warriors who sided with the traitorous Astral Clause chapter and the murderous Badab War. Every fleet-based chapter recruits in different ways depending on circumstance. The Imperial Vists maintain a number of recruiting worlds to which they periodically return to claim fresh aspirants. Others appear to have no regimen of any description, simply taking recruits wherever they find them. They are unheeding of all but the most vigorous of protests, and often only in these are made by fellow Space Marine chapters. Chapter Organization The organization of many space marine chapters owes itself to the Codex Astartes, a masterwork of the ultramarine's primarch, Rebute Giliman. First composed 10,000 years ago, in some of the Imperium's darkest days, it is considered a holy book and is revered by many chapters for its age, providence, and authorship. The Horus heresy devastated the Imperium. The damage wrought by the traitor legions was so severe that the Emperor's realm never fully recovered. The terrifying power of the space marines was shown more clearly than ever before. Their fallibility tragically revealed. It was clear to Robute Giliman that the Primarchs held too much power, that the awesome might of their legions was simply too dangerous to place under the control of so few individuals. Thus, he composed the Codex Astartes. Into it he poured every iota of his deep military and logistical knowledge. He transcribed strategies and tactics every conceivable battlefield situation in utterly precise detail. No element of space marine warfare and organization went without thorough examination and analysis, down to the exact wording of command protocols, squad size, and the hue of myriad uniform markings. Finally, it included comprehensive detail of all war gear and technical equipment in the Space Marines' exhaustive and formidable armories. No detail in all of the Codex's many thousands of pages, was more significant than the decree that the awesome fighting forces of the legions Astartes, which at their height included many tens or even hundreds of thousands of warriors, be broken down into much smaller brotherhoods called chapters. Each of these fighting forces would be independent, with complete autonomy over their actions and recruitment, and have their own heraldry and colors. With the power of the space marines fragmented in such a way, never could treachery spread with the fury of a raging forest fire. In the way it did when Horus turned against the Emperor and corrupted fully half of the Imperium with him. Not all welcomed these ideas. Rogel Dorn of the Imperial Fists and Vulcan of the Salamanders argued the most vigorously against them. But all of the remaining loyal Primarchs eventually acquiesced. Thus, the loyal legions that had conquered the galaxy in the Emperor's name were no more. Since the Codex's original composition, the great majority of Space Marine chapters have attempted to follow it though none but the most irreverent have done so successfully. Over the millennium, it has been amended and erroneous copies have circulated, meaning some chapters may all swear to be Codex compliant, yet have noticeably different combat doctrines and even organizational structures. Some chapters, such as the Space Wolves, openly spurn significant parts of the Codex, adhering instead to their own traditions, though they still regard it as an important source of knowledge and wisdom. Chapter Command. A space marine chapter is a highly sophisticated and efficient fighting machine. The impossible demands that each has to face, grueling attrition and numberless foes, make being this way nothing less than essential. To succeed, chapters need impeccable leaders who breathe the arts of war and logistics. Chapter masters command entire chapters and are exemplary warriors. For centuries have they slain the foes of the Imperium, and countless campaign badges adorn their personal standards. They are some of mankind's greatest heroes. They appraise entire war zones with the merest glance, understanding every threat and opportunity. That presents itself. The arrival of a chapter master to a planet of fire with battle can turn an imminent crushing defeat into a resounding, glorious victory. Few in the Imperium have as much personal authority as a chapter master. At full strength, their chapter and its fleet can lay waste to entire systems. Their home world, wittingly or otherwise, is theirs to command, and many enjoy the loyalty of planets and systems further afield. Chapter Masters answer to almost no one. They are petitioned for aid rather than ordered to provide it. And of the many thousands of supplicants a chapter receives, it is the Chapter Master who decides which of his warriors shall respond to. In this He holds the power of life and death over entire systems. Even in a war zone where multiple chapters are fighting, it is only by choice that those involved follow the leadership of another chapter. Chapter masters have access to some of the very finest war gear in the Imperium. Many don armor and bear weapons millennia old. These ancient relics are sources of immense pride to the chapter to which they belong. And such is the honor in even touching them only chapter masters are permitted to use them in battle. While most chapters are led by a single individual serving as chapter master, and many may refer to him by a different title, not all chapters operate in this way. The Sons of Medusa are led by a triumvirate of Iron Thanes. Conversely, the Iron Hands Iron Council is its ultimate authority, with Cardan Stronos serving as chapter master only for as long as the Iron Council deem him fit for the honored duty of being the voice of the chapter. The Raven Guard have a clear chapter master figure in Cave and Shrike, but the shadow captains of the chapter's companies have considerably more free reign to select which campaigns they fight and how they do so, than their equivalents in many other chapters. A chapter master's role is supplemented by other officers whose roles exist outside of the formal company structure. These vary from chapter to chapter, but include such positions as the Lord of the Household, Chapter Master Secretarius, Securitas Primus, and countless others. Most chapters have an honor guard, an elite cadre of warriors who answer to no one but the chapter master himself, and have a multitude of functions. They are the chapter master's protectors, responsible for his security at all times whether in council on their homeworld or in the raging inferno of war. They also serve as advisors, drawing upon their combat experience and wisdom to provide their liege with informed guidance. In this capacity, they may also serve as naysayers their task to challenge the decision of the chapter master to prevent the rot of arrogance and complacency from taking the slightest toehold. An honor guard might include a chapter champion, a superlative warrior and living embodiment of all his chapter's ideals. Very often, the honor guard are responsible for the chapter's standards and banners. This task is a sacred one, born with great gravitas. How an honor guard is formed varies from chapter to chapter. For some, it is a standing institution. Its membership only changing as its members fall in battle, or volunteer to resign their duties to return to the companies. Such self-demotion is a rare occurrence, but does happen in the event that a company suffers severe casualties that it lacks experienced members. Some of these honor guard have felt compelled to join the chaplaincy or to serve as an officer in the scout company where they can pass their experience on to the next generation. These honor guards provide a formal link between chapter masters new and old ensuring a continuity in the chapter leadership. In other chapters, the chapter master will select his own honor guard. These may be warriors he has fought alongside in battle after battle, or mentors whose knowledge and wisdom he greatly values. Some chapters may have a combination of both to best secure the advantages of each. Others will draw their honor guard from the first company. Thanks to their esteemed position, the honor guard have rare access to their chapter armory and will often bear formidable relic weapons and wear magnificent ornate armor. Such artifacts have been borne into battle by hundreds of chapter heroes. And with their choice of weapons, each warrior is perfectly equipped to deal death to all but the most dangerous foes. Many space marines across virtually all chapters adorn their armor with heraldic symbols, laurels, trophies, and iconography denoting their names, ancestry, and battles they have fought. They also honor fallen heroes or celebrate the champions and leaders they follow into war such practices vary enormously not just from chapter to chapter, company to company and squad to squad but also among individuals. some space Marines use identical symbols in different ways and many chapters particularly favor practices inherited by from their home world. The banners that space marines boast are each masterworks crafted by the hands of the most skilled artisans, or even the space marines themselves, and blessed in long, somber rituals Some are made to commemorate legendary battles or celebrate the heroics of the chapter's battle brothers. Others represent the chapter as a whole, the companies or certain bodies such as the apothecarian or armory. They are richly decorated and each symbol Icon, word, name, and embellishment represent something of deep significance to the chapter and its warriors.